Welcome once again to Devotional. This is Pastor Ariel. We are on lesson number nine entitled Times of Loss. You know, I noticed that with these uh, family-focused lessons, some weeks the, the titles have not been very appealing, <laughs> you know. Um, and this week, you know, the time of loss, we may be tempted to say, I don't want to get discouraged, I don't want to think about these negative aspects of life. But the reality is that they are the reality of our experience, so we might as well address them. But as I prayed and I thought about it, I thought, well, could there be gains to some of these losses? Just like in previous podcasts, we discovered that no's can actually protect yeses. If we say no to the good things in life, we can say yes to the best things in life. Um, and so when we talk about the loss of health, could there be a potential gain when health has been lost, when something chronic has happened? I'm not talking about just, you know, the flu or things like that. Um, we know that, you know, it's just a matter of time before we get better. We're, miser we're miserable, but that miser misery is not permanent. But when something like a stroke or a heart attack or cancer, something more long-term, strikes, are there potential gains when an experience like that happens? And I thought about this verse found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 9. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 speaks about a man who had a chronic condition and a health condition, and he prayed about this condition three times to the Lord. And three times Jesus gave him this answer. Uh, in verse 8, it says that, he concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. It's very specific. And the man that prayed this, you know who he is. His name is Paul. He had healed people of probably worse ailments than the one he had. And yet he asked God, could you please take this away from me three times? And here's the response, and here's where the potential for gaining something happens. And the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is perfected in weakness. Maybe through health, uh, chronic health situations, there is a potential for me to gain a better understanding of how much I need and depend upon the grace of God. And maybe during those moments where I'm in the hospital bed, where I am at home, limited or homebound, um, I can meditate upon my Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to allow me to experience this promise that his power is perfected in my weakness. And in this case, physical weakness. So there is a potential for something to be gained when health is lost. And that is a deeper, more intimate perspective of God's grace, God's power, his ability to show us that our strength is not necessarily found when we are healthy. Sometimes we can find ourselves to be the strongest when we find ourselves to be the weakest. There's a very painful element of trust that the Sabbath School lesson, uh, lesson focuses on, which is also the loss, of, the loss of trust. And in a specific sense, in the family context, is when there's adultery. And again, I thought, is, is there a potential for gain? This is very difficult. There's, I'm not even hinting at the fact that someone would say, oh, there's something positive about adultery. There isn't. But there is a promise in the Bible, in Romans 8, 28, that you're very familiar with, that says that God is able to make all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purposes. So is, is there any good that can come out from the loss of trust when 
the, the trust with, between uh, spouses has been broken through adultery, is there anything that could potentially be gained through such an experience? And again, I'm realizing that the experiences have a common thread, a common theme, and that is they can give us a reference point for better understanding the heart of God. I'm going to look at a verse in Luke chapter 13 and verse 34 in which Jesus, with a lot of emotion, says these words, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills prophets and stones those sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together, just as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you would not have it. And I'm going to say, stay in the same book, Luke chapter 19, and verses 41 and 42. Again, some very sad statements. You can hear the heartache behind these words of Jesus in Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 41. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. You know, Israel had been spiritually unfaithful. And as far as God is concerned in his relationship with us, what we would equate as marital unfaithfulness is the identical replica of spiritual unfaithfulness with him. And so if your spouse has been unfaithful to you, it can as you, of course, this is not something God intended to happen so that you could learn about you know, his heart. But should this happen, if this were to be happening to, to you, um, which is not God's will, but should it happen, um, is there a potential gain from an experience from this? And I'm not saying that this is the only thing that could be gained, but certainly you can now step back and think, is this how God feels when I was unfaithful to him all those years? Is this the heartache that I caused to God's heart when for years I had other lovers, other idols, and I would still go to church, I would still visit him to his house and sing hymns of love to him, but yet in my lifestyle, I denied that love and commitment. Maybe I've been baptized and I declared my love publicly, but it didn't take long for me to return to my past lovers. These are the experiences that could be potential gains and through this achieve um, a deeper appreciation of God's love for us, his faithfulness and commitment. And of course, have inside of us a, a stronger desire to be faithful to him. In, 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 experience a deeper longing for faithfulness for the Lord. These are potential gains that could happen from these losses. Um, there, are, there is another loss that the Sabbath School speaks of, and that is the loss of freedom, specifically through addictions. And as a pastor, it, it breaks my heart at my lack of ability, my, my helplessness in trying to help members in this area. I mean, when it comes to finances, you can share principles, we have funds, we can help people's bills get paid. So there is a certain level of you know, empowerment that we have as a church. But when it comes to this specific element of addiction, I, I, there's addiction and death are one of the highest uh, level, I feel the highest levels of helplessness as a pastor. But with addictions, I have also come to understand that we need to be careful because the Bible, uh, place all of us, in, in a sense, um, as being addicted. Some, some of us, the addiction is more destructive than others, 
but Jesus speaks about humanity as a whole being addicted. I'm going to go to John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. And I'm going to read words that offended the listeners of Jesus. On John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36, it reads as follows. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Verse 32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Verse 34. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains forever, 36. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. But you will not be free until Jesus sets you free. And until that moment happens, until that experience is had, you are a slave. And that, that is the essence of addiction. We become a slave to cigarettes, alcohol, pornography, adultery, you know, gambling. There are so many uh, ways in which we can become addicted, shopping, eating. And for me, you know, when Jesus says this, he doesn't say some of you are slaves of sin, but he puts everybody categorically under this enslaving power of sin. So in that context, none of us should be able to look down our noses at someone else that's an alcoholic or that has a nicotine issue or heroin issue. These individuals I have just gotten caught up with an enslaving kind of sin that is destroying them quicker than us. But some of us are addicted to gossip. Some of us are addicted, I mean, think to, to extent, to a very real extent, all of us are addicted to pride. All of us are addicted to selfishness. So unless Jesus sets you free from that, in that sense, you are an addict. And it's, this does not diminish by any means what I, you know, the experiences of the heartache that alcoholic brings to a family or, or a heroin addict or meth addict. Those are definitely very specific um, situations, but they, they have remedies as well. If Jesus can set me free from selfishness, he can set me free from porn. If Jesus can set me free from pride, he can set me free from alcohol. His power is not limited simply by what has enslaved me. Jesus doesn't say, if the Son sets you free of most things, he says simply, if the Son sets you free, categorically making himself powerful enough to set anyone that yields in full repentance and submission to him to be set free. And as a, as a nurse and as a pastor now, I do, you do need to know that there are some addictions that do require professional help, professional intervention. And I said this in the last uh, sermon that I preached here at Oakwood this past Sabbath. One of the first steps to recovery is actually admitting, admitting that you have an addiction. And you see that in this passage that we just read, Jesus offers the most beautiful uh, offer. I can set you free. But the people were not willing to accept the fact that they were slaves. And they remained as such because they were not willing to accept they were addicts. They were in slavery to this overpowering, masterful force called sin. Has Jesus set you free? You know if he has set you free if you've admitted your sinfulness. You know Jesus has set you free from pride if you've admitted and confessed your pride. If you have yet not confessed those things, how can you be free? So we're going to start segueing now to, towards the end of the lesson. I almost didn't want to talk about this one, the loss of life. 
because I thought, you know, um, <laughs> it's it's lost, 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 lost. Is there anything positive that that could happen here? Um, when a good good look at John chapter five, verses two to nine. Um, this is one of my favorite stories in the Gospel of John. It's a man that was by a pool of Bethesda for thirty-eight years, and the reason I'm talking about this man is because he had he had lost his health. He he had lost trust. He was by himself, and he has lo- he had lost his freedom. He basically embodies all the, these elements of loss that we've talked about in the lesson. He lost his health. He, he lost trust with his family because he's alone. He must have had had a wife. Uh, I'm pretty sure he must have had children. If not, he must have had brothers. I, I, I don't think in that culture you only have one child. Um, and certainly he must have had had parents. The tragic thing about this man is that he had been at that place for 38 years. Jesus lived about, you know, the early part. You know, he was definitely less than 35 year old, year old when he was crucified. Most people place him around 31, 32, 33. So this means that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, this man was already in the pool of Bethesda waiting to be healed. And this condition, there's one um, Bible writer that ascribes his condition as having been brought upon himself by sin. Something he did led him to become crippled and handicapped to this point. And when you have chronic, this kind of chronic situation, especially in that time when there is no physical therapy, occupational therapy, etc., um, you can become bitter really quick. And you become grouchy. And he, his whole hopes was on this pool, that somehow this myth of an angel moving the waters and people always get a, getting ahead of him. If you're living a life of 10 years, people always getting ahead of you, and you never being able to at least get one chance, you can start getting bitter and angry. And you usually take that out in your family. The lesson in a, in a couple of weeks, we'll be looking at more uh, specifically those elements that are very toxic. In my imagination, I've, I've thought of this man not being there with no one to help him simply because he didn't have anyone to help, me, help him. Is that he scared everybody away. He became so angry, so bitter at life, at himself, at his family, at God, that he would bark at anyone that would get close to him, especially those closest to him, those that would try to help him. Dad, it's cold. Let us bring us home, bring you home. No, the water might move. Dad, it's, it's hungry. you're hungry. Let us bring you home. Um, no, leave me here. You don't understand. Just stay here with me. Um, you can imagine the isolation he felt not just simply because people were not coming to visit him anymore, but because in his heart, he knew he pushed everybody away. So he is the embodiment of everything we've talked about. So as far as he's concerned, he is as good as dead. Until Jesus says, do you want to be better? Do you want to get well? Do you want to heal? What a question. I've shared this with my churches in past sermons that this is one of the most untherapeutic questions you could ever ask anyone in this condition. You know, I would not want to go into an oncology wing of a hospital, you know, with all the cancer patients, the terminal cancer patients, and say, um, anyone here would like to be cancer-free? You don't ask that question. It is obvious. The answer is obvious. Why would Jesus ask this question? To this man in this specific situation, in this specific context, context I believe Jesus is asking this question because this man has been here for 38 years trying something that for 38 years has failed him. 
And Jesus is like, why do you keep trying something that has failed you? Don't you think it will fail you again? Are you willing to try something different? Are you willing to try something new? So that's the question. It's a confrontational question. And this man acts on the word of God. And by acting on the living and powerful word of God, this man is set free. Now he has freedom to move, not just freedom to move physically, but freedom to move emotionally, intellectually, spiritually. He has been set free by Jesus. And he no longer is limited in his health. He now can restore trust with his family. The joy of the Lord has become his strength. Now he is no longer in a slave to his past. Whatever sins may have been committed, now love and gratitude for Jesus has removed these things from his heart, from his life. So this lesson is not simply for those in these specific situations. I mean, at the end of the day, what are you dependent on? At the end of the day, what controls you? Your temper? Your selfishness? Your pride? How often do you and I need to be set free from those kind of addictions, right? Every single day. So this lesson is not simply for those people over there. It's for you and I. It's for you and I who are struggling with our health, who have chronic illnesses, who have illnesses that maybe other people do not know about, and have illnesses that come with stigmas, AIDS, venereal diseases, sexually transmitted diseases, terminal illnesses. Whatever those may be, they give you a potential to experience God's grace in a tangible, more intimate way than you've ever had before. If you are crying at night because you have been betrayed, your trust in that person you loved has been broken. That can bring a potential for you to examine your own walk with the Lord. And through this revelation of the heart of God, you can live a more committed, faithful life to Jesus. And in this context of addiction, all of us need to admit there is an overpowering influence upon each of our hearts. We need to be honest with ourselves. We need to admit our helplessness to the Lord and say, Lord, you've sent your son and he has promised us that if he sets us free, freedom will be a living reality in me. Let me experience this freedom in my life today. I wanted to close with one last thought. One last thought that comes from the lesson um, in regards to one of the most depressing days, <laughs> the loss of life. I, like I said, I almost didn't go there. I'm thinking, man, this is gonna be one of the most discouraging. Who's gonna wanna listen to this on their way to work? You wanna be down all day, you know, loss of health, loss of trust. But hopefully this lesson has, through the word of God, been turned around into potential for good that we have a God that can take the most painful and broken parts of our lives and make them beautiful again. So the loss of life, I'm, I'm going to read to you a very well-known parable. Again, one of those that I, I love to go back to again and again. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's a lot of verses. It's, Luke, it's found in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. And, and you know this parable so well. It's about a man who has two sons, and the youngest one says, give me the inheritance. Uh, in other words, saying, Dad, I wish you were dead, but since you're not, can we speed up the process and can you just give me what's mine? And the father gives it to him. Amazing. And of course, he splurges and wastes it in a faraway land. 
And when the money's gone, the friends are gone, and he finds himself feeding pigs. And um, there's something interesting. I'm a pastor. What does all I have to do with loss of life? The words of the father as he confronts the older brother, the very last statement in this parable says this in verse 32. Uh, the, The father speaking to the older brother, but we had to celebrate and rejoice. For this brother of yours was dead and now is alive. He was lost, but now has been found. You know, there's, there's something worse than dying. And that's being dead while you are alive. And Jesus makes that clear right here. You know, there's a psalm that says that precious is the death of God's saints. And this is not that God delights in his saints dying, but he knows what happens when you and I die. When you and I finally breathe our last and we have clung to Jesus, we have received his grace, and we die, Satan can no longer touch us. Our destiny is secure for eternity. That's what that psalm means, that when we die, that death of those that have been faithful and surrendered and humble before the Lord their fate is sealed. Jesus knows these resurrection morning are going to be reunited with me and we will never part again. So, I mean, in, in, in the context of 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, Paul says, you know, you, yes, we are sad that our, our loved ones have died, but we do not need to grieve as those that have no hope. And he puts it in the most tender way for those that sleep in Jesus, those, those that sleep in Christ. There is something worse that can happen to you and I than dying. And that is being dead while still being alive. And one of the things that God desires the most is for us to become spiritually alive. And in this parable, we have one of the most tender revelations of how God feels toward those of us that have walked away from Him. Those of us that only want Him for the goods, but not for Him, and are actually living a life that is very far away from the Father's home. Jesus wants us to be gaining deeper experiences in our lives. And this son would have never come home had someone not denied him pig food. I've had to point this out to some of my sisters in the church whose husbands are struggling with being faithful struggling with addictions, and they have yet not hit rock bottom. And I have to remind these hurting individuals, I've wept with them, I've prayed with them, but I've had to remind them, if someone would have had the thought of feeding this son some of the food that the pigs would eat in, this son would have never gone home. Sometimes loss can be gained. And for some of us, sometimes the loss of our health was the sobering reality that we are not here forever and what have I been living for? For some of us, the loss of our marriages have sobered us up that the security we thought we could create is an illusion. We live in a world controlled by sin and without God in my life, what control do I have? Nothing nothing. And so I refuse to accept this lie that somehow I can control my life and rather I yield myself to the loving control of God. And when it comes to 
addictions. I am ready to admit, what am I doing? What have I walked away from? Oh Lord, set me free. Empower me to walk back home, back home to where your love is. And maybe through these episodes, through this episode, God is calling you back, back to a more intimate relationship with Him, one in which you understand His heart at a deeper level level than you've ever had before. And through the brokenness and the pain, you can say like Paul, I much rather boast in my weakness because when I am weak, then I am strong. I choose to believe the words of Jesus, that His power is made perfect in my weakness Therefore, His grace is enough. I sincerely hope you received a special blessing from today's episode on devotional. I pray it has inspired you to turn the study of God's Word into a daily habit, as well as using the study tool of our Sabbath School lesson. If you haven't yet subscribed on iTunes or whichever platform you listen in, would you please do so now? This way, you will be notified each time I publish a new episode. It would also mean a lot to me if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast. You doing this will help others discover this spiritual resource. I would really appreciate this. I would love for you to connect with me through my Facebook page, Devotional Podcast. There's a link in the show's description that will take you there. I will regularly post additional resources there as well. It would be so good to hear what you like and what I could do to make this podcast a bigger blessing for you. Lastly, Would you consider making a monthly 99 cent contribution to this podcast? It would help offset the long-term cost of producing each episode. Thanks again for listening. Look forward to our next time together in the next episode of Devotional. Until then, this is Pastor Ariel inviting you to devote all you are and all you have to our Lord Jesus Christ.